Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and how the church can bridge the gap between them. Today's conversation is about moving the goalposts, a term you've likely heard a lot during this COVID-19 pandemic. And today's conversation will touch on that, how it's been played out in this era we find ourselves in, but also how the pandemic has been a microcosm of this sensation that we experience all the time of making expectations and reality not meeting them. Here are your hosts, Michael, Lindsay, and Evan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Alone podcast. I am Evan, and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Lindsay and Michael McCord. I'll let them introduce themselves. But first, we need to explain what we do here at the Not Alone podcast. We look at faith and mental health and three people's own knowledge of their own neighborhood cartography as we have all been walking nonstop during our global pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. I'll let Michael and Lindsay introduce themselves. Michael, kick us off. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you all again. Glad you're joining us for the, well, I guess we can't see you, but imagine we could see each other just like we imagine we can see each other at like a restaurant or a church or at school. We have to imagine these things now. Um, But anyway, glad you're with us. And uh, again, my name is Michael McCord. I'm a pastor in the Methodist tradition, and uh, I've been working with college students and and their families and ministries for a little over 20 years. And I love uh, working with young people. And um, I have a a real uh, interest in in spiritual and mental health and how they work together. And so that's what we kind of talk about on this podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Lindsay Geist. I am a United Methodist minister as well and a licensed clinical social worker. I have spent my years working with individuals as they wrestle with anxiety and depression and worked with another number of nonprofits and churches to address mental health needs, crises, and better communication. Wonderful. It is so great to be back with both of you on this very warm and rainy season that we find ourselves in. We are all in the southeast, and it is warm and muggy and beautiful, and the cicadas are going. That's how I know it's summer, when I hear that kind of like, like just droning nonstop in the neighborhood. It's great. But that's not what we're talking about this week. What we are talking about... You know, I think that's an important little note you just said there, because I had this moment the other night, uh, two nights ago, I was sitting on my back porch and I just sat to take that sound in. And it, it sound is an, a powerfully, uh, a, a powerful memory stir. I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but you hear these sounds and it took, it took me back to my childhood in the summers, uh, in South Georgia with my family. And, uh, it was, it was a good little moment of, of sitting still and taking it in, uh, despite the fact that this summer has not been the summer that I had envisioned for myself or for my family, um, that we can still find a little bit of goodness in the midst of all of it. So anyway, I didn't want to, I just, I thought that was a good memory that you just stirred in me. So I wanted to, well, to I, say that. I think that's a great introduction to exactly what we're talking about. And what we're going to discuss today is expectations and moving the goalposts. So it's a moving the goalposts is a term that 
gets thrown around a lot that we don't kind of have a cohesive definition for. You can look it up and that kind of stuff. But you know, we always like to develop a strong working definition for our conversations together as we look at what moving the goalpost means for us emotionally, spiritually, what God would say in the Bible about what it means when our expectations shift and the goalposts move. So Lindsay, if you could just frame for us our conversation around what it means to move those goalposts and how we're going to talk about expectations today. So when we're talking about moving the goalposts, we're talking about there being some sort of end or expectation that is being shifted to be something else. So if you thought you only had to run 50 meters and then all of a sudden you are now running 100 meters, that is very, very different. If I thought I was running, um, I like to run, but if you kept changing where the finish line was, I love that nobody can see this, but Michael is shaking his head like you have lost your mind. I like to run, Um, but I don't want to be running forever. So if I thought I was going to go run five miles, if all of a sudden you moved the finish line and made me keep running, then I'd be pretty mad at you. And I could probably persevere for a little while. If you just added one more mile, I might be able to make it. If you kept adding a mile after a mile after a mile, and all of a sudden I'm running a half marathon, at some point I might just sit down and throw my hands up. So it's about where we may be past a half marathon at this point. I think this is... (laughs) We're moving into ultra marathon territory for me personally. If I'm if I'm if I'm honest with myself, yeah. <laughs> you feel like you have run more than, you know, five miles, thirteen miles, anything like that. You are well on your way now. And so context is going to be pretty critical here. What Michael is is talking about is that we're in the midst of the 2020 COVID nineteen global pandemic. And we're all very tired of talking about it and hearing about it. And we all pretty much just want it to be over. And our country has decided that it just is over. So we are, (laughs) but we still suffer the consequences of what's happening. So the challenge here is that we have been really isolating and changing our lifestyles since March. And now we're looking at the world around us and all the information is staying about the same of the things that caused us to have to go into this kind of special mode as a country and in industry and work and church. Uh, the, the whole what is normal and expected has been completely thrown up into the air. And we're looking at the evidence and realizing we're right back where we started or maybe past where we started. And that goalpost seems to have shifted. I saw a Facebook post right before we started recording today from a friend who has a, a birthday party, a big birthday slash Halloween party every year. And and she wrote on Facebook, she's like, if, if COVID-19 destroys my birthday party, I'm really going to be mad. And people were like, oh, you've got months before it's here. And she said, that's what we said in March about the summer. <laughs> uh, and I was like, that's exactly what we're talking about today yes. is that uh, we we set these I can I can get through anything for a short period of time, but then when you when you get through that short period of time and you realize I still got to keep doing this, you know, it's one thing to give up relationships and physical touch and um, school and and working in the workplace and church being in church together. Like you're like I think all of us were like, well, I can give up a month or three months of of being in church together. 
uh, but it, but it'll be worth it because we'll get there. And then when you get through the three months and you're like, oh, it may be another six months, uh, then it that that becomes a little that's hard. That's hard. And I think that's exactly where we find ourselves today, at least in in the setting that we're recording in the middle of this pandemic. Unfortunately, yes. And it's very much completely outside of our control. And I think that for our conversation today, one of the things that we really want to accomplish is understanding that this is a microcosm of things that happen in our life regularly, that we, we all set expectations and we have things that we're looking forward to or things that we think will go down, ways that we think interactions will play out or things that we would hope for in our lives. And when those things change and there's, there's a break there, there's upheaval in our lives and emotionally, spiritually, physically, that, that can take a toll. So Lindsay, uh, when it comes to expectations shifting or not being met, what does that typically look like in your experience in that clinical setting? Notice that people respond in all different ways when the goalposts start being shifted. Uh, usually there's a lot of disappointment that what you thought was going to be the end of a chapter or getting to celebrate something isn't there. I've noticed more often lately, besides just the disappointment, there's starting to be a lot of anxiety among people anxious of where is this unknown finish line? Uh, we struggle to do things for an uncertain amount of time. So people's anxiety is starting to spike some. Uh, sadness. I mean, people are just starting to express utter sadness that this is the world and the life that we're in right now. And sadness that they're missing out on things, hmm. things that we expected, things that we hoped for, things that we dreamed about. I mean, all May graduations were almost all moved to August. Almost all of those are now being canceled and rescheduled again. Um, and the, the most interesting response that I'm seeing a lot lately is anger. We express a lot of anger when we struggle to get at the roots of some of our other emotions at times. Uh, I think that very rarely are we just angry, but I think anger is one of the first feelings that emerges mm -hmm. that almost covers up some of the other feelings along the way. It's easy to be really mad that we're still doing this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but have you started seeing or noticing in yourself, even if we're being totally transparent, anger towards other people? Like, why can't you get it together? If the mask is mandated, why aren't you wearing it? Mm -hmm. um, or anger at people that are following everything exactly to a T and going, um, why are you, why can't you be more flexible? Mm-hmm. I mean, anger is coming out about a little bit of everything right now. And it doesn't even usually make sense, some of our anger. Yeah. I get that. I want, let's talk a little bit about something that you just said there. And what, I, what, I, what you said, and I think I've got it pretty close, is uh, we typically struggle with anger when we can't get at the root of our other emotions. 
Yeah, I think anger is kind of our, I want to use the word cheap surface level, but I don't think that's true. I think it's just kind of our natural, easy emotion uh-huh. to try to sit in. Um, nobody wants to say they're disappointed in things. Nobody wants to admit I am really grieving this or sad or even a little anxious. Those feelings don't, I think sometimes we don't feel like we have the same power with those feelings. And so we switch towards anger. Mm -hmm. And so we just Mm -hmm. get angry at everybody and the world around us. And so right now I'm seeing a whole bunch of angry people about the situation we're in. When in reality, I think if you sat down and really started discussing with people, people would say, I'm sad I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. Or I really miss so-and-so. I, I like what you say about, I think anger is the most, the, the most easily accessible emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of that may be just what anger is and just how we are formulated. I think some of it's in, in cultured too. Um, I mean, especially, you know, it, it's interesting cause I could hear, I can hear women more readily talk about being sad than I can hear men, mm-hmm. men, men's men, m- my friends, myself included, will talk about how we're angry or we're mad or we're mm-hmm. frustrated, or I just need to go punch something or I need to go, you know, like we'll, we'll use a very aggressive language because that's kind of what we've been enculturated to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really appropriate culturally for me to just, I'm feeling really sad today. Um, those moments are really powerful when someone does that. You know, I, I can think of some times where, where my best friends uh, have gotten together, we've all gotten together and someone's talked about they're sad and that just changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. But I think you're right. I mean, I think the most readily, easily accessible emotion for us is, is anger. And on the other flip side of that too, is this, is, is laughter is, is like not necessarily you know, like some, when people are dealing with hard things, a lot of times they try to make light of it mm-hmm. and laugh about it. And that's the only, that's another way to cope with the hurt that that's inside of it is to somehow to make light of it or right, make light like of a gallows themselves. humor type thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is a coping mechanism too. I mean, it's, it's a way to, to get through hard things is to be able to, 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 to laugh at them a little bit. Yeah, I think, away from them. I think I, I relate to that a lot. I feel like my anger bag, I can always reach into the anger bag and find something to get angry about. Then when something isn't the way that you want it to be, it's like, yeah, I mean, I can get mad about it. It's fine. And I feel like I also have this like infinitely deep self-deprecating gallows humor bag that I don't mm. want to be angry because I don't want that to be the reaction that I have. Like, I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to hurt anyone. So I'll just pull into my gallows humor self-deprecation bag and we'll use it to diffuse the situation and we'll get through. But I think that that is that interesting thing that happens when there's a, that moment where the expectation of what we thought was going to happen and then what actually happens shifts. And that there is that moment where that, that separation happens and that's right what lets the anger or the self-deprecation or all the other emotions seem to like flood in. And I think it's like you know that it's coming like sometimes like you can kind of anticipate it, but, but at some point you hit this breaking point and then how we react in that moment is really interesting. So my question is, what would you add to that, Lindsay? Oh, I was just going to say it takes vulnerability and work to pick something 
to really sit in a feeling besides anger. And I think sometimes it's uh, vulner the vulnerability in work feels too tiring or too scary or um, you're afraid of being judged. And so it's easy to walk away from that and just simply be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, it's both having to be vulnerable to show that to other people, but it's work to dig deeper in what feeling you're having inside. Mm at that moment. So it's kind of a both and in that moment, which is why anger just feels like the easiest and quickest response a lot of Uh times when we move the goalpost or it is moved for us. And then we're left trying to figure out where, you know, the new end zone is. It is hard to cope with. I feel like there's a, there's a two ways that I see it commonly manifest itself for me personally. And one is that sometimes it sneaks up on me. So I didn't know that I, this is what I expected from the situation. And so I, I didn't prepare myself for it. And then all of a sudden it's just out of left field. Bam. My expectations weren't met. Maybe I didn't even know what they were. I hadn't done, haven't done a good job setting them. The other one is more akin to like throwing up. Like, you know, when you're sick, I'm, I'm, your I'm wanting to know where this analogy is going. <laughs> it's going somewhere. You know, you know, this is, this is common experience. You know, what, what was the, I mean, when was the last time you guys threw up? Oh, like probably sick, last year, up. probably sometime when my sometime, children brought yeah. something home from school. Yeah. I think okay. several years ago is the last time I had a stomach bug. So that, so that kind of, is it like, there's that feeling when you know you're sick to your stomach and like, you kind of get like warm all over and you're like, oh shoot, I might throw up here. And so you're doing like the mental calculations of like, where am I going to throw up? Like, am I in a place where I can like, but then you try and fight it off. You know, you're like, okay, can I hold it down? Like, am I actually going to throw up? I know that I'll feel better. This is going to hurt, but like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to enjoy this. And I think our expectations are really akin to that same natural process where a lot of the time you can prep for it. You know, it's going to happen. Sometimes when you're with people, you try and give them a heads up. You're like, Hey, just a heads up. I'm not feeling so great. So like, if I just take off to the bathroom, like, like I I might throw up, like you do want to give those people a heads up. And I think when we're close to people emotionally, a lot of the time when those goalposts gets moved and we have that moment of sharp severing, a lot of that is really akin to that kind of physical reaction where you like, heads up, I'm just feeling kind of weird. Like this is kind of getting frustrating for me. And like, I, like I'm, this may happen. Like I may just go emotionally throw up here. Like, and I, I think I can keep it down, but like, I may not be able to. And then sometimes it just sneaks up on you and you know when it's coming and it manifests itself. And I, I, feel I like- will give you the benefit of the doubt that I, when you started this analogy, I was concerned. Um, but I think that you made a good point that sometimes you, <laughs> I know you can laugh hard that I said, I said the words, you made a good point. Um, yeah, but as bizarre as that example was, I think there are some times that we feel a little off and we know we're sick and anything can happen. And then there's times that you do get slightly blindsided where all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, when did I feel sick? What happened? Kind of moment. Um, and so our goal is to be that way. Like there's, it's like, they're really, I can't, we can't spend too much time on this cause it makes me nauseous, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the person's immediate reaction, this is, or this is my observation that, that nine times out of a 10 adults, when they do get sick like that, 
will blame it on food poisoning. It's not a stomach bug. It's just food poisoning. Almost all the time, they'll sort of, we try to like couch it off as I'm not sick. I just ate something bad. Um, right. You know, and, and so it's like this, like this, this inability to recognize our own sickness um, hmm. or need for healing. Um, <laughs> you are brilliant. Then, then the other piece that really stuck out to me for this. And again, this, we this have to move on long. for this, this analogy for people. Is that, that this, is my own personal sick. experience is it, you know, if once you get sick once, then you think, Oh, I'm all better now. I feel a whole lot better. And I just, I feel better. And then all of a sudden you're sick again. And it's like, it's like this wave of, of Oh, I think it's done. I think I'm better. And then I'm not, hmm. you know, and that, so sickness is, I mean, that is so true in, again, I am like, cannot believe that I am saying that this analogy was actually helpful. <laughs> but I think that it's true that for us right now, the goalposts have moved once. And yep. so we are teetering in this space of either going, okay, the next set of goalposts have got to be the end point. Um, or we're starting to, and maybe that's already happened for us in some ways that that we saw, we kind of set a second set of goalposts and now we're almost in this place where it's becoming a lot clearer that the goalposts might continue to be moved. And we are now like, Oh, this is, I might feel sick and uncomfortable and for a long time. Um, I might feel unsettled for a really long time. It may be a real infection. I it thought a I real was, pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and it, and it may not the pandemic COVID nineteen may not be just like the flu. It may be something more severe. It may mm-hmm. be something. I mean, I think in so many ways we tried to couch ourselves. I think the only way we could, as a culture, sort of handle this was, okay, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. We'll get this under control. Okay, we're flattening the curve. It's it's just like the flu. It's and we deal with the flu all the time. It's just like the, you know, and so what we've needed to do are, and, and I don't, I, I mean, there's plenty of room to, to point fingers at people and all that, but I, I do think it was a coping mechanism to say, yes, okay, let's just get through this. It's not that bad. It's just like the flu. We're going to be okay. Well, we're flattening the curve things. Let's go ahead and reopen. We, we got to get this thing. And, and we just keep making these decisions based on trying to deal with the current reality that we're not able to step back and see the bigger picture. We're trying yes. to create manageable chunks. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to synthesize information into ways that our brain can handle it. Um, we don't handle uncertainty and unknown well. And so sometimes we'll even twist information to try to shove it in to fit in our kind of current box. Um, have you ever, you know, played, I think of all those kids toys when you have to put the, there's the circle and the square and the star and you can put them in certain holes. And have you ever had the ones where like you, if you jam it really hard, you really can get it in the wrong hole and go all the way through, but you have to do all this work. Um, I think you literally have to break the game <laughs> to break <laughs> but, reality. But I think sometimes we really keep shoving and pushing things in places that they don't fit because we don't have the energy to go, okay, let's take a step back and look at this all again. Where does it really fit? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And we just don't want to do that work or don't have the capacity to do that work right then if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. So using the, oh, go ahead, Michael. Well, I, I just want to say, here's, here's a, a little tidbit I just want to share is to, to back up a little bit and say that there's nothing abnormal about us and that this is, this is what people have been doing since our creation is trying to compartmentalize life and understanding in, in, in pieces that, that make it helpful to understand. Um, and that, that we're overwhelmed with these kinds of things. And that's completely normal for us to be in this place. There's nothing wrong with us. I mean, that's partly how God designed our brains, not for us to be overwhelmed, but our brains categorize things so that Mm -hmm. we can better understand them and have more capacity to bring in new pieces of information. When we get all sorts of new information at once, we can't handle it because our brain can't synthesize it. If we get one piece at a time, it can add it into the collection somehow, figure out where it fits, and then can take the new piece of information and add it into the collection and figure out where it fits. Um, and, And that's the way that we were created. And that is a good quality of our minds. What's hard right now is that we have so many new pieces of information that we're also exhausted. And so, and we don't know which pieces of information are accurate. Right. And so then we try to make that decision while looking at how many pieces are out there. And so then we just start shoving them in wherever we can in some ways uh, to try to categorize, to feel like we have more control again. And so it's us just trying to speed up the process which again is a natural process. But when we get into this um, kind of crisis mode, we start handling it in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, I think this is absolutely a really great example of understanding that what we're dealing with now is is on a grand, more universal scale. Um, And everybody is experiencing a change in expectations at the same time. However, the dynamic of, having expectations set or unset those changing and shifting and then us having to cope with that and how we manage ourselves relationships our relationship with god through that is a mechanic that we will deal with for the rest of our lives that is a that is a life skill and it is a life practice and discipline that we all have to go through and so i think what i would love more information about is what is, how do I deal with expectations in the first place? How do I set them? How do I understand what my expectations are in a situation? How do I clearly communicate that with people that I care about? And then what do I do when those things shift? And then from there, how can I use that life skill for the rest of my life development to be able to understand and unpack and cope with some of the shifting of the goalposts that we're experiencing nationally. Uh, before we get into to, I want to answer that question. I want to get to that. I want to, I want to back up one thing to something you said earlier, sort of at the start of this. And we, I don't, I don't know that we fully sort of acknowledged it, but what we're experiencing now in terms of the pandemic and, and the, and the, the, the the constant moving of goalposts that we're experiencing right now is is just a heightened reality of what we deal with all the time. Yes. Um, and I was thinking in in a couple scenarios that I'm I'm in the middle of right now uh, with friends. Um, one is is um, is divorce. 
divorce is one of those things where um, you 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 think you've reached a point in your marriage where you realize that it's better for you to be apart than to be together. And then you realize that once you file divorce, it's not the end of it. It's only the beginning of the end of it. Because especially if there are children involved or, or alimony or some sort of connection of debt or that, that you're a friend of mine is going through a, a really difficult divorce that involves children and, and, and it's just a constant having to go back to court to sort out agreements and uh, finances and shared. So it's, it's one of those things where you think, oh, it's going, to, if we just, if we just agree on this and we end this, it's going to be over and we can move on. The reality is it's not, and it, and it won't be ever, especially if there's children connected, there's this, this connection that exists between the two of you. And so mm -hmm. that's sort of this ongoing uh, movement of the goalposts that's in everyday life. Another one that I thought of too uh, recently was a, 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 a friend um, recently lost a child. And that's a powerful, um, a hugely powerful moving of the goalposts where, where you've planned and made and started organizing your life and sharing the news with people and then you find out that it's it's not going to happen the way you thought it was going to happen, and you have to regroup. And you but you you have all these memories that you built up, these stories, and not only the ones that are actually happening you go through, but you start writing the story of your child's life, the moment they're conceived, the moment you know there's one that's there and existed. Maybe even before that, you start dreaming about your children and what the children will be like and who what they will do and where they will go and who they will marry. You, we can't help but start to do that as humans. It's what we do. Right. Um, and raising children is a constant moving of the goalposts because your expectations never line up with reality. Um, and so I, I just wanted to say that as we look at this, it's not just the pandemic. It's, it's, it's as you said at the beginning, Evan, the pandemic is just a heightened global experience about what normal life is like. And that's dealing with disappointment, dealing with shifting priorities and new goals. Um, you know, and that's kind of, that's just kind of where we find ourselves. Well, we, we as humans think in a linear fashion. We, whether we want to admit it or not, we have expectations of what happens after this, after this, after this. Um, I work, uh, uh, in my private practice over the years, I've worked with a number of women, especially that having grown up in the church and with their families always had this expectation of what they were told that you finish high school, you go to college, you then find the love of your life, you get married, you have children. Um, now it seems to be acceptable making it past age 30. But for so long, I mean, you were being told that you had to have it before age 30. Mm. Um, then, uh, then you get to like, you know, then you figure out how to raise your kids. Um, and then they leave the house. And so I work with, I have worked with a number of women that what happens when the first domino in that doesn't work or one of the dominoes further along doesn't happen the way that you've been taught. Uh, and what do you do with that expectation then that you have internalized that mm. you feel like the outside world has told you and 
you might not be able to have children or you might not uh, be married or uh, you I think about I've worked with teenagers and um, early college. You are always told you work really hard and then you get that job. And, or you work really hard and you get the promotion. Well, what happens when you work really hard and it doesn't happen? Does that mean you failed? I mean, we have a culture that we, you do, you do things and it happens that then we start often, instead of acknowledging the goalpost shifted or something happened, we then are like, well, I must be broken. There must be something wrong with us is the messaging we tell ourselves. I failed. I failed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and here's the unfortunate thing about that. Failure is okay. But, but, but our culture says failure is not an option. Um, You know, and what I've learned in my own life is that failure teaches me things more powerfully than my successes do. Um, And failure teaches me about who I am and what I value what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, and I, you, if, if you're able to use failure as a way to inform your life and change and shift directions um, or to work harder, if it's something that you're really passionate about. But and I think something that working harder makes can it achieve. possible. Yeah, like, it, I don't yeah. want us to always no. work harder at things. Like, so sorry for if, my caveat. I'm like, if I don't wanted to, to be, if I felt like being a country music star was like my dream and this is not that I cannot personally, I need to know that that's not going to be a reality. Do you play you know, guitar? So, no. Okay. Do you sing at all? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll get, I'm not so saying that's my dream. There. You have it halfway <laughs> there. Okay. Um, uh, do I particularly like country music? No. Okay. So, well, that's you know, like step one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe actually like what the dream. But what I mean is, I, yeah, I, I think there's a reality check. And one of the things, um, for example, th- this is a good, uh, this, uh, this may be a tangent really. Um, but is that when we talk about discernment, helping people discern their calling to ministry, um, one, one of the big steps is to look for confirmation outside of yourself, right? So I may feel called to ministry, um, but what was, in fact, outside of my own personal calling, in fact, I had a sense of calling to ministry. I did not want to do ministry that did not excite me um, very much. And then I started to ha- receive sort of people affirmation from people or recognition of some giftedness for ministry. Uh, and then I sort of just kept following it. And that's when I, that's, that's how I slowly discerned that actually this is a calling for my life. Um, and so I think, you know, so looking for, for outside confirmation when it comes to like pursuing dreams that, that feel unattainable or that you reach failure at is to often, I think, to look to outside people to help you through those, um, those moments of discernment, but. And re anyway. and talk and, and have a community to recalibrate what an alternative goalpost might be. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, that doesn't work in our, you know, whole football goalpost analogy, but um, sometimes you can come up with an alternative goalpost that uh, that you can still achieve something or have a different dream that's slightly shifted. Yeah, I think it seems like if we don't we don't treat a lot of things as means to get clarity. We view it as like a tangible product that needs to be 
accomplished that it, you know, we like quantitative data from that. We want to see an amount of money in our bank account or a salary number rather than launching from the outset with a more curious mindset and saying, I'm just going to explore and see what's here. Uh, and I, and I, and that the goal, the goal is to find accurate information. The goal is not to find a specific spouse. The goal is to understand the kind of person that maybe I should be with. The goal is not to get into this college. The goal is to understand what's a good fit for me in a college or in a, it, 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 I'm going to get educated one way or another, whether that's formally or or in a, in a less formal structure or format to understand what's better for my life. The actual setting of the expectation can be regarded societally as giving up from the start. And it, be, it becomes a, a label of like a lack of ambition because we're not interested in just quantifying things and crunching the numbers and hitting our, our actual quantitative goals. And I think that that's a really difficult trend to kind of shift from in the society that we currently exist in. But I don't know if we look at it from a biblical perspective, if that's what God calls us to necessarily. But I feel like Christian culture perpetuates that almost more strongly than anything else. I've been thinking a lot about leading up to leading up to, to today's episode, thinking about what moments in in scripture we we can grab a hold of maybe as a resource or as a as a reminder for us in in this kind of of shifting um that we're going through um and and this this may be on people's minds too that the whole idea of of the exodus of the plagues in particular and i've seen lots of memes and facebook and instagram posts about um, that we're going through the modern plague. Yes, yes. That we we've. I mean, we've the had murder locusts, hornets. Really? Have, yeah, that's right. Exactly. We've had the locusts. We have. We have oh, the this, wildfires this in Australia. Sickness. Yeah, it, it it seems that there's a lot of raging fires out there right now, um, and when we turn to that particular story of the Exodus, that is where. Um, the Hebrew people uh, are held in bondage uh, as slaves uh, by the Pharaoh in Egypt, and and they are led out uh, by Moses. And they cross over the Red Sea, um, or the uh, the Reed Sea, is actually Yom Suf is the name, uh, Yom Suf, the Sea uh, of Reeds. They cross over that and into the Exodus, which is a 40-year journey. But they don't know this at the onset. They just know they're getting out of slavery and they think getting out of slavery is going to be like that. They'll be free and then they'll be free. Um, but uh, they realize when they approach the, the Red Sea that, that the Yom Suf, that, that things aren't as easy as they thought because there in front of them is this big body of water and behind them are the chariots of Pharaoh who are coming down to capture them again uh, and, and probably to kill them there. And there's this moment, this incredible moment right before, it's one of my favorites because I think it says so much about us just as humanity, as humans, as they look back and they see the chariots coming, they see the challenge that lies ahead and they say to themselves, we would rather be slaves in Egypt than to die out here in the desert alone. You know, and then the story continues 
and they they get across the sea and they head out onto the wilderness and then they find out that that's only the beginning like crossing the sea was only the, it was probably the easiest of all the things that they had to accomplish over the next 40 years but there's this there are two things i think that that are helpful for me in this is one is i'm not alone that that when i look back and i think to myself i'd rather be a slave in egypt than to have to work this hard there are some people right now who who might say I'd rather just go back to life and and risk my physical health to just have a sense of normality again. I'd rather send the kids back to school uh, and get them back to school uh, and risk whatever that means just so that we have a sense of normalcy again. I'd rather be put ourselves at risk like that than to, to really have to, to struggle through this together as a society. Um, I think that's a yearning that's in each of us. I know I feel that. I, mm-hmm. I have, right now I have to feel this form, whether I want to send my, my kids back in physical school or online school. And it's a, it, to me, it's, it feels huge to try to make that decision right now. Um, but then we, then the other is that what I, what I hope is most helpful is that in the midst of that 40 years and in that moment of crossing the sea is God is with them. There's a, there's a cloud by day and a fire by night. And there's this sense of God's presence with us especially in the moments of disappointment and redirection and struggle and heartache and hurt and, and failure. Um, and, and throughout the Exodus, we see these moments of God's interaction with us and presence with us in the midst of all these things. Um, we also see return to humanity again in that story when, when God provides manna from heaven and we try to store it up because we don't trust that we have together as a community, what we need to get through this. And so we start to hoard um, things like toilet paper and hair dye. And what, what I want to say in know. that though, of like hoarding and just kind of preparing is we're not trying to be evil in that moment. We're, we're trying to wrap our brain around the fact that uh, we like to plan because we feel in control. Yes. Absolutely. And what I mean is it's normal. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing, what I mean by all this is that it's, there's nothing inherently wrong about us because we'd rather be in slavery than to have to struggle. Yeah. And I just wanted to throw the clinical side in that, that like the clinical side is we feel better when we feel more in control. And so anytime we are faced with uncertainty, we will, it will be easier for us to gravitate towards choices that make us feel like we have control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's exactly um, what that longing for slavery comes. It, it would be better. What we're saying is we'd rather know what's happening. We'd rather know tomorrow we're going to be slaves and it's all set out. And we know that we're going to get our rations and we know what kind of work we're going to do than to not know what's going to happen next. And I think that just speaks to us as humanity that that we we long for a sense of control. But what the story of the Exodus teaches us is the reality is nothing in this world is under our control. And any moment that we sense we have control is just a figment of our imagination. It's a regrouping. It's It's our brain's trick to tell us that we're under control right now, that we've got this together. 
I, I will say if you're listening to any of these episodes out of order or if you need a refresher, towards the beginning of all of this, we uh, way back in like early episodes, we did talk a little bit about um, what small forms of control uh, we have each day. Of We have some choices <laughs> each day. And, and so sometimes that are small choices of what things do we have some power to make decisions over uh, can help us feel much more empowered. And then we don't grasp for these elusive, crazy big forms of control. Yes. And, and so that, that is a way that I think we can trust God that we can make choices in our present right now without trying to control all of the big choices for the future all the time. Um, and again, not squeezing the life out of it control, but what active choices can I make today for myself? I cannot make choices for others. What can I make for myself today? Yeah. And, and I think, uh, early episode two, we talked about Ebenezer's, uh, <laughs> this idea that, we, when we get through some difficult period of time that we celebrate, um, we lift, we stack some stones and declare it's an altar for God getting us through and our community getting through this together. Um, and maybe it's, 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 uh, at the, after they cross the, the, the sea, they sing a song together, um, that they, that God got them through, you know? So like, so I think what would be helpful in the middle of this, and this is where your question started us, uh, Evan, and we'll go back to is what are some helpful things we can do? One is recognize that, that, that so much of the world is outside of our control, and that is, that's, that's just the reality that we live in. But there are decisions that we can make in the midst of that that can help us feel less powerless. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, to be in relationship with others, to be vulnerable, open, and honest, with others, to allow others to be open and vulnerable with us, um, which is some really hard work because talking to, talking about who you are, what you're going through is, is can sometimes be a, a difficult task to learn how to do. Um, I think sacramentalizing life, taking moments to look back and see what you've gone through. Um, because, you, you know, I think in, in, in your opening illustration of running, Lindsay, if I run, it's, I want to look back and say, oh, wow, I actually did that. And that gives me a little <laughs> bit of momentum to do the next little leg of running. And so I think sometimes I see the tendency for people when, when things keep changing and things are out of control is that they bury their nose and they dig harder and they never come up for air to look back to see where they've come from. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be draining, exhausting, heartbreaking, uh, and lonely work. If, if, if you decide to go at life with your head down, trying to work as hard as you can to fix things that you can't fix, Mm. you know? I also think that about how much we need to pause and honor our feelings, that when we get to a place that we thought the goalpost was, and it's no longer there, we're allowed to pause and be sad And admit our disappointment or our frustration or our grief. Um, And then we can also take a moment to kind of recalibrate or um, come up with our new play 
that we're going to use to be able to move forward again. We don't have to act like it was no big deal that the goalpost and finish line wasn't there. Um, And I think that's sometimes where we don't honor ourselves well enough and how we're feeling that uh, we, and, and the three of us have talked some about, I mean, offline somewhat of how we've been sad that life still doesn't look like we want it to. And each time we record, we check in with one another of kind of what's been going on. Um, But we've also talked about some of whether in formal terms or not, like what have you been disappointed about? What, what good thing happened in the week? What crazy way did you pivot and come up with a new plan um, to find a new way to kind of come up with your next set of goalposts? Mm. I think yeah, I as think, we kind of, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to move us on. So, well, I was just going to say, Lindsay and I had this conversation. We were in a meeting yesterday about uh, working with pastors right now. Um, they, they probably like you, um, you know, for, for, for us as pastors, our goalposts are preaching, uh, teaching, um, doing visits of visitation in the hospitals and, caring for people, doing counseling sessions, planning for the future for the church and for movement. And, and, and we can't do any of that now the way we know it. And so um, what we're struggling with with some of our leadership is a sense of value and meaning if you can't do things the way you used to do them. Uh, and because you've, you've prescribed for yourself, these are the things that make my life and my work meaningful and then now we find ourselves not able to do those things. Um, and that gets really, that gets to a place. If Again, if you're trying to do this by yourself, that's a very lonely and heartbreaking place to live. You need to find people that you can share uh, your story with and the challenges and the struggles that you're going through that you find out that you're not alone, um, <laughs> that there are others who are struggling too. And if you don't know where to reach out right now, send a note to us. Um, Our contact information uh, is wherever you are listening to this podcast, shoot an email. One of us will respond. We'll connect with you. If you don't have your community right now, we would be happy to sit there with you. Yeah. It'll be me and it'll be weird, but just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping to talk to Lindsay or Michael and then Evan responded. You are way more compassionate than you are giving yourself credit for right now. Pull into that self-deprecation bag. Woo-hoo. That's right. Yeah. The so humor we... self See, Evan just demonstrated what it's like to cope with moments like this. Well, I think as we wrap up, that's some of the nature of what I'd, I'd love for us to kind of leave with is the, the goalposts moving is largely outside of our control. It happens sometimes, but largely it's because things happened externally that were outside of our major influence and decisions. So once we get to the point where we are and we realize that they're not there, the thing that we've been looking forward to, the thing that we wanted to do, the wedding that we were excited about having, the graduation, 
the relationship looks different than we thought it would. Once we're standing in that spot and soaking in the fact that it's not there, I think I think that not being alone in that acceptance and what that process looks like is critical. But it's not going to be long before we start looking over the horizon and trying to figure out what that next goalpost is, what that next spot is, what that next moment for reflection is. What would you share in regards to once you get to that point, how do we start to understand how to set what that next point of review and introspection and -hmm. those goals may be? How do we do that in a healthy way? Healthier way. (laughs) I think some of it is pausing to reflect what was the, what was meaningful for this goalpost? Why, why were you trying to get to this point? Um, What did it represent to you? Because if we can name what it represents to us, sometimes we can use that information to, uh, kind of in reinterpret what our new goalpost might be. Um, maybe our goalpost of uh, this past little bit in the global pandemic was, uh, I thought it'd be done in three months because that represented safety to me uh, or that represented a normal life as I knew it. Okay. How can we use that information to uh, maybe think about a different form of a goalpost along the way. Mm-hmm. I, I think of um, the question, what's, what's one small step I can take today that will give me a sense of meaningful direction? You know, I think in, in light of all these things that we've talked about, I mean, there's just a whole host of, of life choices that we have to make and steps that we have to take. Um, thinking about on a daily basis, what's one thing I can do today that will help me along today's journey? Um, and let that be in this moment of time, the thing that guides you. These each day taking these next steps um, and give yourself some space to think about where the journey really lands and where it gets you. Um, because I think it's really hard right now, especially making big plans like like going somewhere, um, <laughs> like finishing Like school. more than the grocery um, store. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like being with your family loved one. For some of you to hug somebody, mm-hmm. um, those things are those are big goals posts that are really outside of our control, but there are things we can do today. Maybe is to call somebody. Maybe it's to write an old fashioned letter to somebody. I, I mailed something today with a stamp and I put the little flag thing up on my mailbox. Um, it's a wild and it and crazy felt world really we cool live to in. do that. Right. What an adventure. Mm-hmm. So what are some little things that are, that are meaningful and attainable that help you restore some sense of order in your life and some sense of meaning in your life. I think, um, it, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, I even think about last week, I called a friend and and we had a discussion about expectations and, you know, what felt good to us meeting up in person. And we had a driveway hangout session 
we I brought my own chair to her house. We sat more than six feet apart in the shade and we spent an hour just chatting about life. Um, and we're already talking about how good that was for our soul and what sort of, uh, when we might have driveway coffee again. Mm. That's uh, great. I won one Lent. This made me think one Lent, uh, which is this season of preparation, uh, as we prepare for Easter. Um, and and prepare for for remembering the crucifixion of of Christ and then the resurrection that is on Easter, this time of preparation of of thinking and remembering. Um, I decided to call. It started with once a week. I wanted to call an old student or an old friend that I haven't talked to in a while, just out of the blue, and just say, "Hey, I just wanted to see how you were doing. We haven't talked in a long time, and I just wanted to check in." And it was one of the most beautiful lens I think I've had because it was so important to me to reconnect with these people. And I'm bad about calling people and staying in touch. I'm just so bad about it. Life just keeps moving. And to take that moment. And then for them, I think too, imagine what it'd be like if you're just sitting here at your house and all of a sudden someone you haven't talked to in 10 years gives you a call and says, I'm thinking about you and I just want to know how you're doing. Um, that's th- those are the kinds of relationship building things that we could maybe practice during this period of time that that, mm-hmm. that reignite some sense of connection in us um, with people outside in the world who might also need some connection too. I, th- I think for me that externalization of what those expectations are and what my mental goalposts are and allowing people that I trust to speak into that, I think is a big takeaway that I have from our conversation is that. I typically internalize what those things are and then I don't let anybody else tell me if it's reasonable or not, but they're the people that are also going to have to deal with the fallout when I once again set an unreasonable and unattainable goalpost for myself. <laughs> and so uh, allowing people into the process rather than just the disappointment, I think is uh, a thing that uh, I'm really looking forward to praying through and working through in this season. I, I love the way you just said that, letting them into the process and not just the disappointment. Mm. Hmm. I love that, Evan. Any other final thoughts? No, I'm, I'm going to stick with that one that you just said. Great. Sit no, in it. I think that's, I think that's a great way to, for us to, to send people out into the world uh, that is ever changing and always moving. Uh, but God is with you. You're not alone. Uh, and you're surrounded by a community of people and allow that community to be with you uh, <laughs> and allow yourself to be with them and other Amen. gods in the midst of all that. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Lindsay. As always, enjoyed the conversation and the friendship and I appreciate all of you who uh, are listening and we look forward to jumping in with you on another episode. Uh, whether you're behind and it's in the next 10 seconds or whether you're with us week to week and it's next week. We'll see you next week or in 10 more seconds. Bye, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Not Alone. If you have questions for Michael, Lindsay, or Evan, you can reach them directly by email. That email address is notalone at foundrycreative.group. That's notalone at Foundry, spelled F-O-U-N-D-R-Y, creative, period, group.
Also, if you really like this conversation, we would be really appreciative if you left us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. We're very honored that you're tuning in, and we hope these conversations encourage you as you navigate the situations of your life. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.